Hello and welcome everyone to the pre-show of episode 69. Very nice. Today we have Navar with us from Secret Nerd Podcast and he's here to talk about one-shots, the joy of one-shots and what fun and zany and crazy stuff you can do in a one-shot. Navar hosts an interview podcast called Secret Nerd Podcast where he interviews all kinds of people about TTRPGs, nerdum and general inclusivity in gaming. It was a very fun episode with Navar. It was an incredible fun time talk it was very back and forth everyone just enjoying and, and sharing the stories about one shots and i can't wait for you guys to hear it you might be hearing some weird audio from me right now in this pre-show and in this recap that you will hear right after this in this recap you will hear right after this that is because i've just moved into my new place and the room i'm recording in currently doesn't have that much soundproofing yet it will get better trust me very much better but right now you will have to deal with this for maybe one two or three episodes and i'm sorry for that but it's what we have so we have to deal with it one other thing also uh, sad to inform you that titan's Cold's trailer will not be in this episode and probably also not the next that is also because i moved and moving kicked my butt and yeah i just have to take the time off and can't currently commit to uploading or, or editing doing everything on that trailer but trust me it will come a titan's call will still release and there, there's a lot of stuff that happened behind the scenes that's unfortunate for us so we have to deal with it but we will and now please enjoy this episode six to nine very nice with navar from secret nerd podcast called why you should play more one shots Hello and welcome everyone to episode 69 of nice. Double DM. You already heard him. Nils, my co-host, how are you doing today? I can't complain. The weather is a bit shit, but overall I'm very good. How about you? It's been raining for a few days now, right? Always on and off, like five minutes rain and then 10 minutes sunshine, then five minutes rain again, then 30 minutes sunshine, then 10 minutes rain again. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a patchwork of different weathers and it's weird. But oh yeah, not it feels that complete. Bad completely weird right yeah because you can't dress for one of the weather types that they are present mm. because it is raining and then it is sunshine and in, while in sunshine it is too hot for a, a winter jacket or a rain jacket but when the sun isn't out you have to wear the fucking jacket because then it's too cold at least i don't want to put on the jacket every time and take it off and put it on and take it off and put it on yeah but for real the weather has been shit the weather has yeah. been feeling <laughs> a lot weirder right now we, okay well it's supposed to be this kind of weather right it's supposed to be sunny rainy windy it's spring we're, we're at the cusp of summer but still spring yeah but we already had like 30 degrees something along those lines <laughs> so going to ttrpgs Niels, did you have any sessions since we last spoke uh yeah i had two sessions on thursday oh both one, on thursday yeah okay. uh, one that i gm'd mm -hmm. and one that i was a player in okay and the jamming one was a quickly thrown together one shot because one of my players couldn't make it due to family reasons mm -hmm. on this holiday day thing they had something planned without telling him and now he had to be there so we improvised i know that all too well right you're expected to be there but you never were told about it because everyone expects you to know from your family like yeah you, you, of course your father's birthday is there and then you're like yeah it is 
but we didn't celebrate it for five years in a row. Why are we doing it now? Yeah, exactly. And it's fine that you plan something with me, but at least tell me shit, please, next mm. time. Just yeah. just tell me. I just want to know. So yeah, it was this one shot was very improvised and very thrown together, mm. but fun nonetheless. And then the game where I was a player in was the campaign of one of my friends that were there, where the other person wasn't a part of. So he just said okay i have the stuff prepared and with me so we could play that if you want to and then we just proceeded to play that which was a fun little session just getting to know one of the new characters or npcs that just got introduced and just some character bonding time so a lot of fun roleplay moments oh very nice <laughs> yeah. how about you did you have anything ttrpg related oh, now you opened a can of worms yes also on thursday because thursday is my normal game day where we mm -hmm. have our weekly session of Dark Eye, I always say it's D&D just for simplicity's sake because explaining Dark Eye to people is like it's D&D but different. So yeah. yeah, we had a session of Dark Eye and we decided because it was a holiday and every one of us had time, well, we, like, why not play for 10 hours straight? Yeah. So we met up at 12 o'clock and played till 10 p.m. Now That's a long fucking session. Yeah, that's a long fucking session. Now, that's a long fucking session is all one could say about that. But obviously there's a lot to unpack here because yes strap in well this campaign was something different right it was a long campaign a very long campaign but what about this made it so special is so before this session we ended the second to last chapter of our campaign so this was the beginning of the last chapter this was the beginning of the end nothing would come after this oh well there will come some stuff after this but it's now all more or less done Mm. And, well, we ended the Dragon Council with a 6 to 5 and the promise of war. So we did. We, we did some stuff. We elected one of the dragons of our side to be the general of the dragon army, basically. The marshal, the, the red marshal, which is a dragon title that allows them to psychically connect to all other dragons that are on their side. We got our forces together and began the war, the battle to save the world and to hopefully stop our BBEG from resurrecting her creator, Kurakor, the god dragon of elements. And that was it. Yeah, we finished that nine-year campaign this Thursday. Oh, damn. We ended it. We won the fight. We won the battle. We ended nine years of an absolute monster of a journey that transcends the in-game world, that became part of our lives nine years we cannot calculate how many hours we spent in this because there were so many different session lengths and times on, and how often we played it's impossible to calculate but it's 32 chapters of adventure we fought demons we fought dragons and so much stuff and and one story i want to bring into this recap um because i don't want it to be too long because the episode already is a little bit long is i know there's a lot to talk about this session it's we finished we killed the bbeg we we ended their plans, we saved the world, and now we're returning to the world and hopefully live for the rest of our days peacefully, or well, at least somewhat peacefully. But when we were on our way to find the key on how to name the Red Marshal, to create our general of our army or our marshal of our army, right? Mm -hmm. We had to go to a temple and get an, an ever-extinguishing uh, purple flame to do that. And while we got that flame, because we were cool, one of the other dragons of the other side 
side came to us and attacked us. This okay. dragon is okay. called Lesan Khan. It's the son of one of our dragons. So, right, one of our dragons of our side is the father of Lesan Khan. Mm -hmm. And we had to fight Lesan Khan. And Lesan Khan is an emperor dragon. That's not something like a red dragon. Basically, basically they are ancient dragons. He's an ancient red dragon. An ancient red gold dragon. So powerful as hell. And we had to fight him. Our mage cast uh, a fire immunity spell on him. So he could be the tank because, oh, you deal fire damage. Well, you don't do it to me anymore. Then out of the tree line, out of the canopy, leaps a fucking T-Rex and attacks this dragon. This is the T-Rex we saved mm -hmm. several months ago in this globe of lizard people. Then the fight commences. Us four heroes, a T-Rex against a dragon. And in this system, that's an unwinnable fight, basically. Or well, not unwinnable, but way too hard to win. It's not D&D where we were like level 19 and had to fight a dragon. It's when you fight an ancient dragon and you're level 7 or something in d &D. Oh, damn. Oh, That's the power hell. level oh. of this. You're oh. not supposed to okay. kill dragons in this world. Dragons are supposed to kill you. Mm -hmm. So be mindful of that. And we won that fight. And now strap in. Lesan Khan did a total of nine damage in that fight. What? what, what? Nine what? damage. Nine damage. He did nine damage because he hit only one attack against our dwarf fighter with his fire breath. That was the only thing he hit in the entire fight. Oh, damn. Okay. Okay. We completely destroyed this dragon. And we, for the next eight hours of our session, we talked shit about this dragon nonstop. <laughs> As you do. It is just the law. <laughs> it was such a fun session. And that is only one of the maybe like seven moments that I have that I could talk about. But we're yeah. already at like 10 minutes of recap or something. So I'm probably not going to talk about that more. Maybe we're going to... Uh, I'm going to talk about it more on other shows and other episodes. So stay tuned for that, people. Subscribe to the show and strap in because there's a lot to unpack in this campaign. Finishing a nine-year campaign sticks with you for a long time. So we will hear about it. It will stick with me for the rest of my life, I can tell you Hell that. Yeah. So I don't have anything else. Oh, wait, I have one thing. I have a birthday in a week, mm -hmm. right? Uh, on the 4th of June. If you're listening to this, yes, you can congratulate me on the 4th of June. Please do. I love it. I love attention. <laughs> but also, we we're gonna play some TTRPGs, me and a few friends, um, and we're gonna play 7C Second Edition. Swashbuckling okay. Pirate Musketeer Adventures. Kind of amazing. Yeah. And I cannot wait for it. I have just sent my players the rulebook. We decided on it a few days ago and uh, I got some ideas from them now and now they're gonna create characters and we're gonna have a lot of fun. Nice. So yeah, I cannot wait. I, I really love the system from what I've read so far from the system. So I hope it's gonna be fun. Maybe it's system i'm gonna play more maybe it's a system we can actually do a small part mini campaign actual play or whatever because maybe it's fun maybe it's not i don't know i need to figure out but yeah. we're gonna but have fun regardless yeah when playing and, and please tell me about it because that I sounds will. amazing i will so without further ado let's meet navar from secret nerd podcast hey everyone welcome to your scheduled mid-roll if you have been enjoying Double DM either as a first-time listener or a month-long fan, thank you, thank you for listening. It's a pleasure to have you here with us sitting back and philosophizing about tabletop role-playing and game mastering and all other nonsense we throw in there. If you want to help us out though, there are a few easy ways you can help out the show. Leave a review or rating on the platform you are listening on right now. It's often just a few clicks and types away, or even better, tell a friend about us. 
spread the word about our show and how it has helped you or might help someone running their games. If you've listened to our episode on character creation or our episode on villains and think, hey, this would be a good fit for my friend that has some questions on that, send them our episode. Maybe they like it. Maybe they will love it and become our new fan and you have someone to discuss the show with. Trust me, creative dialogue is one of the best things you can do. It's why we do this. Okay, anyway, enough of me. If you are another TTRPG creator and want your product, show or project featured on the Double DM podcast right here at this point in time in the episodes, contact us on Twitter. We have paid advertisement slots as well as promo swap spots open for creators. Okay, that was the mid-roll, everyone. Thanks. Let's jump right back into the show. And with that, welcome back to the episode. With us now is our guest, Navar, from the Secret Note podcast. Please introduce yourself, tell the people who you are and all of that stuff, how you got started into TTRPGs. Yeah, hey, uh, thanks for having me on, guys. Um, I am Navar Seek Jackson. I am the host and creator of the Secret Note podcast. Secret Note podcast is a talk show podcast similar to this, where I bring people on to talk about their individual journey through TTRPGs and nerddom and kind of just help platform folks who are in the space to show that these are games for everyone. Um, you know, I'm, I'm big on creating safe spaces for diversity and inclusion. And you can see that through like the guest lineup that I have and the things that we talk about. And yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, it's been a really fun project as of this recording, just posted the 50th episode. And yeah, it's been, it's been a, a big, big, big journey. So congratulations on releasing 50 episodes of a show. I mean, when we released 50 episodes of the show, this was an amazing amazing experience really yeah. and and I can only imagine how how you must feel after that but what was that journey like from episode 1 to 50 now uh, th that's a long journey you release weekly right yeah, so that's weekly. nearly a yeah. full year now yeah how did that year feel it's felt really wild it like it was such a i mean i remember when i recorded first my first episode was last year in like late april early may and i didn't post that episode until july 12th and a big part of that was like i wanted to have four episodes recorded and i was just using my friends because i wasn't on social media before uh so i wanted to have four episodes recorded i wanted to uh, have them all edited so i didn't have to worry about that and then i had to learn how to edit because I've never done that before. Uh, yeah, I had to learn how to like what systems to use. Like I picked up Zencaster was the first one I used right away. But then I was using Audacity at the time. So it was just a mess right in the beginning. Like I think my first episode, it probably took me 12 hours or so to edit a one hour conversation because I would mess up the sound and I couldn't figure out where I messed it up. And I didn't know how to use this history in, in Audacity. And like the whole thing would just crash and just shut down. I did all of this off of a Chromebook, which are good. Like you can do basic stuff with, but they're not like, you shouldn't be trying to edit a podcast with a Chromebook <laughs> for very long um, because it, it's it's just not built for, for that kind of stuff. And yeah, and so that first, you know, and then I released it and it was just like, okay, cool, it's out. Now I have to actually go find more guests because I, I don't, I'm an interesting I don't have a lot of friends. And then I had to start reaching out to people. And that was kind of scary. But then people responded. Um, and they were excited about it. And, and it went from like, okay, you know, I don't know how I'm going to find guests to I was so excited to talk to everybody. I was overbooking myself doing like two to three interviews a week to like, okay, I can't do that anymore. So I took a break of interviews and got it down to like one month out, one week or one episode a week, one interview a week. And then now I'm booked out months in advance on a consistent basis, you know, just because there's so many amazing people to talk to. I'm better about pitching 
to people to, to invite them onto the show. I made a lot of connections and friends with people that will be on the show in the future that are just, you know, enjoy what's going on. So it's, yeah, it's like a night and day scariest thing that I could be doing to like, I love doing this. And, and now here we are, you know, just trying to figure out how I can fit more stuff in the limited time I have. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that sounds nearly identical to what Niels and I have done with our journey. It's at the beginning, I had no idea what to do. I just said, okay, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, this takes a lot more work than I thought. Oh, yeah. but I want to put that work in now. But it takes a lot of time. Oh, and now, now I'm starting to get guests that I didn't even know. Like when we had episode nine, I think I never was so scared in my life of a normal person. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just oh, yeah. talking to me because I was like, fuck, am I messing this up already? Is this where it ends? Yeah. It didn't, but yeah. it was still a scary experience. So I can definitely see that. So you interview people on a weekly basis. Mm -hmm. I don't want to ask you who's your favorite interview you ever had because that's just mean but yeah what was one of the best things you learned through your interviews with people um i think it's just like how to get people to open up so like episode five was the first time i ever had a guest on who i didn't know which was joe from the makers and misfits podcast and it was a podcast that i was already that i had just like started listening to uh it was something i really enjoyed um and we got on the call and three minutes in, we were like, we are going to be friends forever. And I think just like that, learning like how to relate to people, how to help people feel safe in a conversation, how to kind of like show vulnerability, you know, take a path that allows people to talk about the things that are a part of their story that are important for, for other people to hear without like forcing it, without telegraphing it. Cause I don't ever script anything. So outside of like the first question I always ask, which is like, how, how did you get into nerd stuff? I don't plan on like a specific question. There are certain people like, obviously, you know, if you get a guest who makes a thing, like I always want to talk about the thing that they made. Cause I think it's important. Like you're on the platform. Let's talk about it. But a lot of times just like, you know, we could start a conversation and then it's like all of a sudden we're talking about fighting games or we're talking about like, movies or whatever it is. And so, yeah, I think it's just that learning how to how to like create a safe space for people to feel like they can have this conversation with me and I'm not going to use it in a malicious way or to take advantage of them or to hold it over them or something like that. And I would love to throw the first question you usually use for your guests as well on you. So yeah. how did you get started in the TTRPG scene in the journey? What made it all happen? Yeah, gosh, I... I didn't really know about TTRPGs. Like I never had access to that kind of stuff. I grew up in a very rural area where like the only library that I remember having around me was the school library. You know, we didn't have like comic book stores or game stores or anything like that. So for me, it was just a matter of like, you know, I saw Dungeons and Dragons as like the subtitle of Baldur's Gate on a video game when I played it. My friend's dad had the box that he like kind of explained to me, but n we never got to play. And it wasn't until I was in college that my buddy would just leave on the weekends and we wouldn't know where he was. He'd be gone for a few hours. And then one day he was like, oh yeah, I've been playing D&D. Um, like here's the books. And if you want to try it, you guys can come with us and me and my best friend. And so that was the first time I got to play. I played 3.5. D&D 3.5, a shifter ranger, because uh, it was right after Eberron had come out. 
and uh, it was amazing. I remember we got to fight like a hill giant pretty early on. There was a party member who played this like old monk who was like kind of friar tuckish in his appearance and like very quiet. And he just beat the shit out of this giant um, <laughs> and like had it like grappled on the ground. And we were just like, <laughs> it was just so amazing. And and then, yeah, and then I moved back shortly after that to uh, New Mexico where I live now. And I didn't get to play again for like 10 or 11 years. And I tried, but uh, it's one of those things, like as many people know who play the game, it's like if you don't have have a group already it is so hard to find a group and it was hard for me to get my friends to be like let's play something else other than call of duty like let's try this game and i even tried like back i mean this was the early teens of the 2000s and tried like using roll 20 digitally to play like i looked up youtube videos of like people playing digitally and uh yeah they weren't having it we could have played in person they weren't having it and so i just kind of <laughs> waited and then i just kept i think i started watching actual plays you know critical role is kind of where that usually starts but then i i think i watched like four episodes and then I was just like, I don't understand what's going on. Like, this story doesn't make sense. It's starting at ninth level. Nobody's explained what the hell happened before this. Like, it's cool. They're really talented, but I just don't get it. And so I started looking for other ones. And I found uh, Dungeons and Daddies and Glass Cannon podcast. And so Dungeons and Daddies was like a fun, okay, they're playing fifth edition, but they don't really play Dungeons and Dragons very well. <laughs> it's a very much like just a comedy show where they kind of use mechanics a little bit. And then uh, and Glass Cannon was Pathfinder first edition, but there was more like playing the actual game and then i was like okay i love this i need to get involved and then we finally got a group going at home and uh yeah i i convinced my friend to run the game he had never dm'd before but he played and i was like i i've never played fifth edition i you know i I'm, i would love to gm one day but i don't know how so convince him to do it and then after a few months i was like uh all right i am i'm gonna run a one shot and then i became the forever gm from there <laughs> it always starts with a one shot yeah Oh, yeah. Also, I became the Forever GM because I decided to run a one-shot. And after mm -hmm. that, it was never... I was never really able to get a, to be a player again in many campaigns. Yeah. All the campaigns that I was a player in fickled out or mm. stopped or went on hiatus that got extended and extended and extended never got really to play a full campaign from start to finish yeah <laughs> and that's been seven years away now. yeah <laughs> yep. seven years coming i've ended so many i've ended one campaign myself but never was I a player in a finished campaign yeah i think with that i'm the odd one out here in this group because <laughs> i finally have broken my forever dm curse yeah i am now more or less 50 50 split up between being a player and a gm but it's it started as well for me with the forever GM role because when my friends and I started playing, nobody ever played anything like it. Mm -hmm. So someone had to take the hit and had to GM the thing. Yeah. And so, yeah, I just went ahead and did it. Yeah. It was nerve wracking the first few times because I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. Yeah. But the good thing is my friends didn't know either. So yeah. mm -hmm. we were all just doing probably everything wrong, but or at least rules wise, everything wrong. But we had mm -hmm. fun. So that's the main reason, right? Right. Yeah. My first one shot was, and, and this is fun because the, sto the story goes like this. I started playing TTRPGs, I think, in eighth grade with my mm -hmm. friends. Oh, we wow. were on a school trip. My friend went, hey, you want to play this game with us? And we played. And every night on that school trip, because it was a one week school trip, we played like three to four hour sessions at night and then went to bed and then got up way too early again because <laughs> school trips, we, we have to go to see the next museum and yeah. stuff like that. But then I came back home and told my parents about it. And my father goes, wait. And goes into my room, into my room, <laughs> opens a compartment in the shelf that I've never known before about, and pulls out the first version of this TTRPG that I played with my friends and went, I have this. And I was like, why didn't you tell me? 
and it then went to okay um and then maybe six months passed we played a campaign with uh this friend and his father and his brother and a few other friends and then i got home and i said i want to gm something like this as well i want to try this so i got my father's old group back together which is my father my mother my aunt my uncle and my godfather <laughs> those five people they are they were all at least 50 years old <laughs> at that point <laughs> And it was me jamming basically the new generation because this was the fifth edition of this DJ, which wasn't D&D, but it was the Dark Eye, which is the German equivalent of D&D. Because okay. the Germans have to do anything for us as well, <laughs> apparently. And yeah. yeah, I jammed that as well for them. And I was shit at it. <laughs> because they played, they, they, they knew what I did wrong. And then yeah. I got, I think, three pages worth of advice from them. Like, okay, this is a good start, but you need to look at this. You need to watch out for this, right? The, the usual, you need to listen to your players more you need to be a little bit more creative you need to be more improv heavier or, or you need to do a little bit more improv and all of that stuff but that's how i started and then i got into then i went to my friends and played with them because those adults were scary <laughs> yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> but okay why are we talking about one shots and i talked about my first one shot what were your guys's first because both of you said you were jammed one shots at first that was your first jamming experience what were those like for you it was a mess it was a good mess but it was a mess because it was it was a situation where i was like with the game that we were playing as a group already was i had written a campaign setting before i ever got to play the game and gave it to my friend to run the game in because i wanted to play a gloomstalker ranger and i was like if i'm gonna do this i want it to be fucking cool so like <laughs> this would be like things that would make this situation optimal I was like, I think it would be great if everybody played kind of like this, like we're like this like special forces unit that like can go in and you know, take out big groups of armies and stuff like that. Of course, when everybody made characters, nobody else really followed that concept other than my best friend who like made like a barbarian that was pretty good uh, for that. But yeah, so we were playing that for a while. And then uh, my buddy who's running the game, he just had family stuff come up. So I was like, I will write a one shot. We had been playing in a world where a war had happened 20 years ago and or that started 20 years ago and was still going on. And so I wrote the beginning of the war as the one shot. And they were in this town, like living their life and the town gets invaded. And the three of the players... Uh, were in the one shot they were all from the same group and they all decided to be uh shitheads they all decided to not be heroes but be like kind of evil people so when it was like okay yeah the town's being invaded like you just got attacked by these like assassins what are you gonna do and they're like we're leaving and i was like what do you mean you're leaving like the town <laughs> people around you are dying they're like yeah we're leaving let's get our money let's get out and i was like okay, this is uh, apparently, uh, this is what it means. You know, when people say like, yeah, if you're a GM, your player's just going to throw out all your notes. I was like, all right. So I had to like figure out how to do that. It ended up becoming a two shot because then it was like, okay, I'll create a situation now that you can get out of the town. And they started getting attacked and stuff like that. And then they got out and then they were like, well, our other game's not going on right now. Like we just still want to play this. And that ended up turning into a, kind of a short campaign. We never ended up finishing that game, but that's kind of how it happened. Like just that, ah, oh, damn it. You know, how did, how did we get here? I was not like, I, I thought they were going to be like, yeah, let's run to the front gates and like fought all the stuff. And I was so prepared for that. And they were like, no, no, we're leaving. <laughs> I know that feeling so, so well, because at the beginning you're like, okay, I have this cool story. I might have this, I have... I have these cool, this this fortress that they have to invade or something. And then, yeah, okay, you could have taken the right turn and not the left turn that I planned. Hmm, what do I do now? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I mean, it, it really helped me learn. I think all of these things are just 
part of the especially the first few interactions with mm. ttrpgs in general because you don't know anything about it you have to figure this stuff out by yourself yeah. even if someone tells you yeah they might take the right path instead of the left one that you planned you still will have to figure it out yourself at some point yeah for sure mm, there's a lot of stuff you kind of need to learn yourself and not just be told by someone yeah and i mean it was one of those things like i learned that lesson immediately and i was like okay i have not really made that same mistake anymore and so now I'm, i've become much better about improvising and kind of expecting the unexpected so that when the players make those big swings i can go okay yeah i i know how to adjust for this mm. well needs how was your first watch <laughs> yeah it, it was as per usual a mess because yeah. th there was no coherent storyline planned because i just sat there and thought okay this might be cool this might be cool this might be cool sure let's do this and maybe sprinkle in a little bit of flavor there and there and there but my players decided otherwise they decided to go somewhere else and i was just okay um what the fuck am i going to do now um okay i moved this thing there then they decided to go back again where the previous thing that i moved was originally then i yeah. have to had to shift around and i was like oh oh, oh god damn it okay <laughs> and then i just threw the dice at my players <laughs> basically <laughs> yeah when in doubt throw your dice at your players but yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. And then we all sat down, okay, this was our first TTRPG interaction ever. Maybe let's plan a bit more ahead and take our time with this and not just, okay, we all want to do this. How about tomorrow evening? Okay, sure. Mm. Go ahead. Maybe, okay, yeah. let's meet up in one or two weeks. Then I can maybe plan something a bit more ahead and it isn't that much of a mess. And then we already switched systems in the second thing that we did, yeah. which then was another one shot that was also a mess because we all didn't know that new system which then got switched again to dungeons and dragons where i know <laughs> it's a mess okay yeah. you know but, but it's perfect because i i feel everyone ha has these messes at the beginning but i think that's just part of the experience for me it, it's at the beginning also when i have a new player at my tables even though they have veteran players around them it still feels like a mess to them or for everything that comes from them and i love that because it completely reshapes the game it completely you see a new play style develop right then and there and if you're a new group completely made up of new people and a new gm it's a complete new place that has never been seen before in the world developing right then and there and yeah. you have to have this chaos before that because no one will start structured you will have yeah. to yeah. make that structure yourself yeah that is the truth it it yeah it gets really wild in a one shot for sure mm -hmm. <laughs> okay but let's talk about one shots a bit more because i'm interested what are in your guys's opinions the benefits of one shots really well i think so for me, I use one shots a lot because I prefer playing Pathfinder 2nd Edition over D&D 5th Edition. And anybody who's in the TTRPG space knows like 5th Edition is what 90% of people are playing. Um, or if not that, then usually it's a PBTA game. And then there's a bunch of us weirdos playing Pathfinder 2E um, and trying to convince other weirdos who are playing D&D &D to come play with us. And so I use one shots as a way to help introduce people to the game because it, you're not committed to the character you made. You're not committed to the story outside of that you know three four hours that you're playing you know if you like if you don't quote unquote build it the way you wanted to build it it's not the end of the world like there's it takes a lot of that stress away of you know starting out a character and being like okay this is my character for the rest of the campaign and it's just like yeah like how about you just come sit down and have fun with a few people and just enjoy it for the next three hours and then it's like oh okay yeah so I think one shots really help kind of create that sense of comfort and levity around playing a new system which is super 
beneficial. And then it's just a self-contained story. So, you know, if it gets funny, if it gets weird, if it gets wild, even if there's like, you can, you know, I like to just like leave like consequences for, you know, the imagination after, um, you know, it's not something you really have to think about or deal with, you know, outside of just like daydreaming one day. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I mean, one of the best experiences I've had with a one shot was I went to sleep at like 1am. I, I, I said goodnight to my friends and I woke up at 9am for a lecture and had the message in my inbox, want to play D&D at 10. And I was like, yeah. hmm, <laughs> sure, why not? I just missed this lecture. I don't care. <laughs> and that was one of Nielsen's one shots because yeah. they stayed like 30 minutes later before after I left and said, hey, let's play D&D tomorrow. And that's perfect. This low stress because it was, okay, I just go to D&D Beyond and click a few buttons and have a character ready to go. Yeah. Boom, I can play. And after that, I never thought about the game really more than just this, okay, this was a cool experience. Yeah. And that's all that I needed because it was a very fun experience with friends and it was no stress. It was just, okay, let's play weird character concepts that we always wanted to play or just do something weird. And that's what we did. And that was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. I think one shots are perfect for testing out the waters with either new systems, new character concepts that you wanted to explore or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And I think one shots, because they're in this enclosed storyline, they give one of the best rewards a player can ever get, which mm -hmm. is closure. Yeah. Because a lot of campaigns fizzle out and they just will never be touched again. And the characters and the players themselves don't have closure for whatever storyline they were progressing in. Yeah. And that can be a lot of fun to see how the storyline really ends at times. So yeah. that, that's what one shots do quite well, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, like I said, I think, you know, one shots, they just require so much more structure, um, right? When, you know, when you're writing a, like a big campaign, it's really just like, where do we start? And maybe you know what the BB is or, or who he is or they are. And, and you kind of just like go from there and let the players mill around, you know, drink in taverns and or break out of jail or whatever, wherever you start them. And then they just get to kind of mess around and you have some random encounters and you introduce things over time. Uh, in a one shot, it's like you're a beginning, a middle and an end in this time. I have to be able to fit in enough role play to get everybody comfortable with each other, fit in a combat that's, you know, going to be three rounds, but take an hour and a half somehow and then fit in an ending that feels satisfying. And so trying to like creating that balance, I think is just so much fun. And it's a really fun DMing challenge too, because it helps you kind of pick up on like storyline cues and like how to how to navigate that stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I feel balance is such an important word for creating a one shot, right? I, I need this beginning. I need I need to f they, they make this beginning feel organic. I need to make it feel like my players are actually supposed to do this. It's not like they're just dropped into this world. But then I also need to balance that they also should find this closure or kill this enemy or whatever the objective of this one shot is. And I think being very clear with your players what that objective is from the start helps a lot in fitting it into the time you have because one shots often become two shots or three shots for some people and i think yeah. often uh, when i ask people why that is i have to ask myself that question often enough for my one shots so <laughs> it's not like that i have the formula figured out or something but when i have a one shot and then i ask the first question did your players know each other before or did your characters know each other before the one shot no they were supposed to meet each other first yeah that's gonna create 30 to maybe an hour depending on your players of interactions between them that is probably not been planned by you yeah 
So if you just say you've all been sent on this quest together, you can cut that out right at the beginning and let everyone introduce their characters through a five minutes of cinematic moment or talk in, in, on a campfire and get the same interaction you wanted at the beginning, but just more structured and simplified without taking away from the moments it gives. Yeah, I think it it's, makes it so key to have a session zero for a one shot in that way so that you can define those things. So you can be like, mm. look, you are all friends, live in the same town, you lived in the same town your entire lives like this is how you know each other these are your jobs in the town whatever and set up those things so that way when the game starts even though they're all learning about each other's characters in real time for the most part it's still something where it's like i don't have to pretend to go meet this person right and i think you know and then and then it kind of gets into like the skill level of role play for each individual person of how well they're able to improv situations and stuff like that of course but i think even even in a situation with new players most people kind of get it they kind of understand like oh okay like if i I just react to you know this person chugging a beer or whatever like i can i can just play my character and then we can go from there and have a conversation yeah. i feel like because of the very unstressful setting of a one shot because you don't have that much of a buy-in time-wise yeah you don't have the fear or anxiety of trying to play out your character or playing the character in a different way and you just kind of just do it without thinking about the quote-unquote consequences Yeah, because you yeah. just want to have fun. And then it creates these interesting character development uh, things that happen naturally because you just play the character as you wanted him or wanted to play this character. Yeah, mm -hmm. I totally agree because in your one shot that I talked about, the 10 a.m. one shot, that, that was completely <laughs> yeah. wild. I think it was Gemstone, Dragonborn, Grave Domain Cleric or something. Mm -hmm. And that was all I had. And then okay, I just went in and suddenly I came up in the first interaction with some weird things for this character that most of the talking he does, he does through his psychic voice that this character has as an ability but mm -hmm. that psychic voice is very different from that character's normal voice when he speaks and then i was like okay but why boom he has an ancient lich inside his head or something and that's just that, that came not because i put in an hour or two of work because i i want this character to be perfect for this campaign i want this character to be able to sustain 100 200 sessions or years of play i just wanted to have a fun character moment and i was like that's it that's all i need and that only came because of this low stressful setting that I had that I was able to just say cool this fun moment this thing I want that I do it and yeah. I did it yeah it definitely creates those situations like you can have so much fun just being like I can try out a voice a new voice and only have to commit to it for this one shot as opposed to starting a campaign and using a voice that could be straining and then realizing you know 50 games in like this is really messing me up <laughs> <You know? laughs> I don't know if I want to do this for the rest of this time and so yeah it's Uh, it creates a lot of really cool situations like that. It's just that that flexibility to be able to just bounce ideas around and really just give things a try and just be zany because it doesn't matter if, if you're being zany. You know, like you can just do mm -hmm. a lot of crazy stuff. So I, I do bonus episodes of one shots on my show. And the second one had three cast members of Mayday Roleplay, uh, one cast member of Blackness and Dragons. And it was absolutely insane. From the get-go, they were just doing insane, crazy stuff. And it was so much fun to just be like, all right, we're in the situation. I made them level zero. So they didn't have a ton of abilities or anything like that. Like they just were citizens trying to figure out this, um, this mystery and like, you know, fighting bullies in town and like saving a woman and stuff like, like it was, it was just a lot of fun to see them role play those situations and knowing that they could just like act wild 
and they all really attach to that idea of just like we are going to be as wild as possible <laughs> and uh yeah it is one of the most hilarious sessions i've ever played <laughs> just asking because that is a perfect segue into our next question we have written down on our side was that also your favorite one shot or the best you ever did or is there something different is there a different one mm. It's definitely up there. Those are the only two that I've recorded so far. I have other ones planned and I've played other one shots with like my home game. My home game, we've played some one shots of Delta Green that I absolutely loved. Like, it, I mean, yeah. I need to play that system so bad at it's, some point. Oh my God, it's so good. Um, but, you know, it's a different feeling too. And my first one shot was a lot of fun too and, and really hilarious. And, um, you know, we had situations where like I, I introduced a monster to the screen and the monster was gargantuan. And you could like hear the players be like, oh, like we're fighting that. And they're like, well, why didn't you shrink it down though? And I'm like, no, this takes up, yeah, this takes up eight squares. Like this, <laughs> like, no, no. I don't want that. And yeah, I don't know. I just, I really enjoy it. I especially enjoy it because from the show, I've been able to do these with, you know, new friends that I've made and get to interact with them in, in a game setting, which is, I think, a lot of fun to like, we, yes, we have these amazing conversations and, and, you know, we'll sometimes talk outside of that, um, just about random stuff, but also it's really fun to play these games with your friends. Uh, and that is unlike any other like game setting for me. Like I don't play MMOs. I don't like playing multiplayer player games of any kind almost I, i'm pretty much like a solo rpg player and sports games and that's it so when it comes to video games so yeah it's same question to you what has been the best one shot you ever ran and and, and why as well why was that so popular i think i've also said that especially if one shots are zany and interesting and, and just <laughs> players going wild because they can yeah the favorite one shot that i ran would probably be in the shadowrun system mm. a <laughs> christmas themed one shot in nice. shadowrun yeah. where they had my players had to infiltrate some sort of big gala ball of a former noble family mm -hmm. because they had some dealings with the under city crime lord something like this and they had a christmas party event and they had multiple ways of getting in and out of obviously but the one way they got out was the way that i didn't plan they took <laughs> as a always giant sled drone from the roof and rode off that fucking building like santa claus yeah. and dropped <laughs> the presents in quotation marks being whatever things the crime lord tried to send to the former noble mm. and they just got scattered around the city but yeah there were some crazy chase scenes in there through the house where they still had to kind of keep up the masquerade of being a ball guest but mm -hmm being figured out by some certain individuals. So basically a social chase scene followed by an actual physical chase scene. Social chase scene. That, that sounds actually very interesting to actually try to do as well. I, I will have to try that to do was, that myself at some yeah. point. Yeah, that, that was weird to run to. It was kind of difficult to convey the urgency mm -hmm. at some point, but then I just figured, okay, yeah, okay, they now they have been made and then it started into the physical chasing, but that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, you can just get so like, <clears throat> so crazy with some of that stuff. I think it's, it's really fun too. I think that's the other benefit of it as a GM um, is that I know for myself like I have less fear about a player going down, like a PC going down in a one shot than I do 
um, in a campaign, right? Because like, you know, character death, there's always a chance it could happen. In a one shot, I'm okay with like, let's make this combat more difficult because that's going to be interesting. And I don't really feel like I have to pull punches, right? As long as everybody's okay with like, you know, a high risk situation. In a campaign, <laughs> if you make your encounter too difficult and your player loses their character, they might be really upset about that. <laughs> and that could, you know, that, that becomes a difficult situation that you have to navigate. That is another thing that kind of adds to that situation of like, again, you know, people, I think still will really enjoy their one shot characters, but it's like, you don't have the same investment that you have in, I've been playing this character for three years. Mm -hmm. Or I've put in six hours of work right, the last yeah. two weeks for this <laughs> character alone. Yeah. In a one shot, you just go, hey, I want to play this. I play this. And that yeah. works. I, I feel like the best one shot I ever played was also, I, I said this before on an episode of Roleplay Chat, where the, the best thing I ever played was a TTRPG that is the Smurf TTRPG. The nice. actual TV show, The Smurfs. Yeah. And because that system was, it knew it, it was a joke. It's a joke system. It's just for fun. And mm -hmm. that's what this one shot conveyed. It was the Smurf going on an adventure in the woods and, and doing weird stuff, riding on squirrels, diving into rivers, uh, <laughs> throwing exploding bombs around. Yeah. And everyone knew that this was just, hey, we're playing Smurfs. We do not need to care about if, this... first of all, this character can't die because they are Smurfs and I think Smurfs can't die. But <laughs> at the same time, everyone was also, would have been probably the reckless the same recklessness if it was a D&D one shot that was themed to be this, like this because yeah. the GM who's probably listening to this enabled us perfectly to just do the crazy stuff and take the risks because it was fun for yeah. everyone and I think yeah as a GM you can do that in the one shot more or I can do that as well in the one shot more easily just let just let my players do the crazy stuff and if something bad happens it happens and that is fine because no one um, invested too much time out of their busy week into this or thinks about it too much after this game. But yeah. in a campaign, I, a year ago now, probably killed my first killed the first character through deadly combat and that player was obviously sad in that session mm -hmm. they it, it wasn't great for them because their character died they spent a lot of time on it but yeah. they were understanding that it sometimes happens and mm -hmm. but in a one shot they would have probably never bad an eye and just said okay cool uh, i'm dead now what do i do i just listen to this to you guys for the next one hour until the one shot is finished <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's so much fun like i uh in that one shot that i was talking about eli from mini roleplay played uh, kitsune that could turn into a fox and she at one point rolled into a cannonball and hit this teenager in the back of his knees. Um, and I was like, yeah, there's no mechanics for this, but I'm happy to just let this happen. <laughs> this is incredible. And then in the, in the first one shot that I ran, I had one of the players jumped off a cliff and like rode it down on his sword to fight this, you know, gargantuan creature. So like, I'm like, yeah, I think it just, there's something about it that I think just inspires folks to just be like, I'm going to just try it because what the hell, um, you know, yeah, what are hit I, points? <laughs> exactly. Fine. I think also I, as a GM, I'm way more ready to just break a system apart in a one shot for my players. Yeah. In, in a campaign, I understand that there needs to be some continuity to the system and right. It's also about fairness, obviously. If, if I break it for one of my players, my other players also want it to be broken. But in a one-shot, all cards are off the table. Everything is okay because it's a one-shot. Nobody cares after it's finished. Well, it was a good memory, but yeah. no one's going to be sad if the game didn't perfectly end for them or something. It's just for fun. And I'm way more able to just break the system completely and just say, yeah, okay, of course you can just do the Drax thing from Guardians of the Galaxy 2 and jump into the Titan's mouth or into the yeah. Dragon's mouth and 
hit it from within. Of course you can. Yeah. I don't care if this actually works in the rules or not because it's fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think you brought up a good point there, the continuity thing, because in a longer campaign, if you disregard one rule or one big rule, it may set a dangerous precedent yeah, to sure. <laughs> that rule being broken over and over and over again. But in a one shot, you can just don't care because this enclosed storyline, this part of or this parallel dimension maybe or whatever it is is closed off from anything else that you play mm -hmm. yeah it's uh i mean yeah that's why it, there's so much fun it, it really just gives you a lot of liberty but i think yeah i think in the terms of of the structure though i think that's that's when you have to like think a lot more about how you're going to do this because like i was saying like you have to have a start so like what's the setup what's going to be the interesting thing that the players are going to go do and then think about like how long that time is going to take so it's it's really like so quinn murphy is a game designer and he has mentored me a lot in a lot of stuff and he always talks about like how much is your allotted time and then think about how you can fit that in right if you want to have like all right there's these six different combats like how how long is each of those combats going to take you know and understanding that and are you going to put in pieces to be like okay after this certain point we got to pull or this person's going to run away or whatever to like shorten things things like that i ran into the situation in the second one shot where I had set up a chase scene, but we had played already for so long. We had technical issues and stuff that it was already getting like later into the night that I shortened the chase scene for the sake of the story because it it just it could have gone on until you know I could have made it like six successes that they would have needed to have or whatever. And I ended up shortening it because of how long we had already played. And so those are things to take in consideration, especially if you're recording it, right? Because mm -hmm. if you're gonna be the one that's editing it, editing three hours of five people's audio is a long process yeah uh, <laughs> i know that such a long process but yeah i mean if you're just doing it for a home game it might not matter as much you can always like okay you know this is our one shot that we're going to turn into two parts because everybody's tired now but yeah i think it's just important to think about those things how you build the framework of it and understanding like i said i enjoy having things that like let the players think about like oh like you know I want to go do this thing now or I want to get that other piece of shit like that was doing all the back end stuff that created this guy to do the things that we're fighting against, things like that. Like I think it's fun to have that imagination and to create those storylines. I think that's only going to help everyone's creative process, but you definitely want it to be like, okay, and then you defeated this thing or you accomplished this thing or you retrieved this thing and now this is the end of the story. Uh, and you can kind of do some little uh, mm. epilogues or a great, you know, and that ends it. <laughs> yeah. What I sometimes do, for especially for example, for combat or for some NPCs maybe in a one shot is just create several of them and then decide at that point where they're supposed to come in or where it's supposed to happen, just which of these I'm going to use. Because sometimes, okay, okay, I plan for this one hour combat. It's supposed to be a little bit longer. So it's going to be a big, tough foe with maybe a few minions or it's going to just be some smaller things that come mm -hmm. in. So I can more or less shift depending on how we're doing on time while still including some combat for my players. Because I think in a one shot if you have four hours to play and this is the first time these people are playing their characters especially in a system like D&D &D, and also Pathfinder which are a lot combat oriented but not entirely obviously but right. there are a lot of combat abilities as well involved if they choose those abilities they also want to use them yes. so having some combat in there is important but sometimes it doesn't matter to um, it doesn't matter to if it's a hill giant you're fighting or if it's just a few I don't know Sturges that are flying through the dungeon room um, both works so just choose the one you feel better for this 
certain moment that might also work better for your time. And then you're also a little better prepared. Maybe you can even throw both in if you have a lot of time. So it gives you just that more option to play around with everything, to watch out for what your players are doing and respond to what they are doing. Absolutely. I like to create a couple options too of like how things can go and just let, you know, not necessarily like uh, telegraph that, but just like in my mind, know, okay, if they decide this thing, then that's going to trigger this thing. If they decide to go this way, then that'll trigger other events. Um, and yeah, I think that really just help. I mean, and again, like I, I don't know, actually, I don't know if I talked about this, but I am a very low prep GM. I, outside of like setting up the, the story and, you know, getting monster stats and, you know, doing some maps outside of that, I'm not like a big, you know, write a bunch of different scenario type stuff. I'm just like, this is what I want them to fight. This is where I'd like them to go. These are the consequences of like the thing going on in the background. How they get there is entirely up to decisions at the table. And then once players start doing stuff, then I just start reacting and, and interfacing with that and placing things in front of them or whatever. And so, yeah, so in a one shot, it's nice to just be like, because there is a framework, sometimes I'll give myself that option to like, here's where you can still improvise. Uh, if they do this thing instead, this is how this is going to go instead. And I just kind of go from there. And uh, one thing I wanted to ask you guys was I use it or I like to use one shots as a world building opportunity mm -hmm. for my campaigns, for example, mm -hmm. that I, I like to run a one shot in the historical time of one of the continents or countries or whatever my players are in right now to kind of connect them towards the story as players and not as the characters mm -hmm. and then have something that I can use in the campaign to give them a bit more of extra spice, a bit of flavor, a bit of world history that they kind of took part in shaping, but not their character. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, I think, I mean, that's 100% helps. I know that myself, I constantly am thinking about how I can connect, you know, the one shots to each other, to my home game sometimes. Because I, right now, playing Pathfinder 2, I use mostly their setting, the Galarian. And a lot of times, like, they have a timeline. So, you know, I kind of just like, well, I guess in this, in our home game, we're playing this timeline. And we're usually, I'm jumping around in different, like, countries and stuff like that. But I think it's, yeah, it definitely is a situation where doing those one-shots helps to increase or add to this other thing. And similarly, like, that first one-shot that I ran was the beginning of the war for the game we were already playing, which is 20 years later. What it kind of did was, like, run parallel as I was building in a town. My friend who's DMing the other game could be like, okay, now this town exists. And I could share those notes of like the town, the citizens, that kind of stuff. And then he could make those adjustments of like, all right, well, it's 20 years later. Has this place been occupied yet? Et cetera, et cetera. But yeah. And connecting all that stuff, like that's world building is such a thankless job, kind of. Your players might appreciate it, but really you're the one that sees it the most, that deals with the most, that's thinking about it the most. Um, and so yeah, anytime you get to have that payoff, I think is, is mm. <laughs> it's just, uh, you know, it's a, it's a good way to like give yourself a dollar. Yeah, I feel that so much because just on this Sunday, I had a big session with my players. They were coming together with the villain of this arc they are playing in right now in this campaign. And this villain got away and then they were discovering some lore about the things. They were talking to some NPCs they met and were discovering a lot of lore. And I was like, this is the hugest fucking lore drop I ever gave you guys. Why are you not excited? And then I was like, hmm, realize, yeah, they didn't connect to the centerpiece yet. Hmm, maybe I should have put that forth. And then when, when it was put forth, finally, they finally went like, holy shit. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Work building is, it's thankless, but I think I, I still love doing it just because, well, it's a lot of fun to think about stories and people and yeah. worlds and any kind of events and then connect those to my players. And yeah, sometimes one shots as a world building opportunity are such a great idea. I have so many interesting places in my world, in my, in my 
huge expansive kitchen sink world min where i throw in everything i find and say this works somehow there are so many places there's there are two kingdoms that have been at war for a thousand years there's a country that has a portal to the nine hells there's a country that has a portal to the abyss and there is uh, dragons made of pure ice and so many different things i never get to share those with my players if we would just play the campaign so i definitely have to do some one shots with my players to even discover all the cool things that i have yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then develop on that obviously because there are a lot of two that's and it's often a collaborative experience when they add to something in my world and they go okay can i create a world okay can i create a village for my character that is exactly here in this range it has a it has a lake of very clear water, crystal clear water, and this is a big village where a lot of dragonborns live. And I was like, "Hey, cool, perfect, let's do that." And then, okay, should there be secrets? Should there be something? Is there is, is there is the town danger and all of that sort of stuff? And that is cool. And even for a one shot, my players did that because they wanted to just partake in it and just share this experience with everyone around the table and enjoy that. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I, I think it, it's so much fun. It's it's way mm -hmm. worth it. Speaking yeah. of um, world building. I, I'm curious. <laughs> so I recently listened to uh, Nathan from Reckless Attacks episode, and you were talking about your Titan show. Mm -hmm. uh, and I also recently just watched Attack on Titan for the first time. <laughs> so my question is, will there be will there be ODM gear in this campaign? If you're willing to answer that. <laughs> I'm willing to answer that. I have been having the idea <laughs> since the beginning. But since this, um, I, I can say that much, Titan's Call is about the Titans starting to dis to appear. Mm -hmm. So this is the first time people are hearing of them. So there was no need for ODM gear before. But I assure you that there will be <laughs> that there will people developing gear, magic, and every kind of thing to fight such titans or such, right? Because titans for us are not normal um, humanoid titans without um, any private parts. Yeah. They are more kaijus from Pacific Rim or something. Yeah, yeah. But there will still be measures to fight these uh, beasts, obviously, because people will still thinking, okay, this happened to one city. Why won't it happen to another city? We need to prepare. We need to be safe. And yeah, that, that there will be measures developed for that. But... <laughs> I'm not saying there will be ODM gear, but I'm also not saying that there will not be ODM gear. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. Yeah. <laughs> write that down. Write that down. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. I, um, God, I mean, that's just like the whole show is absolutely insane. But I think that part of it, I mean, it's hard. Like, I think I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only person who goes to this, but like now playing TTRPGs, I look at every piece of media I look at. It, I'm like, how could I make that into mechanic? Mm -hmm. um, oh, what would that look like? <laughs> you know what I mean? And um, yeah. I mean, the way that they just move around, it's and it's the way it's animated. Yeah, that's. Incredible. I recently watched Bubbles. That's a, a movie by the same studio that made uh, the first seasons of Attack on Titan. Okay. By Studio Wit. And it's such a beautiful movie about parkour in a oh, post apocalyptic yeah, yeah. world, Tokyo. Yeah. And oh my God, I, I think I was never so much inspired to make, to find a pre running TTRPG and make a campaign in post apocalyptic whatever city. Yeah. Because that was just incredible to watch. It was alone the trailer was like, okay, I want this. Yeah. How do I want how do I get this? And I was sadly disappointed that I haven't found something yet, which just means I probably have to write it myself. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's tough. But I think this is a general thing that especially DMs or GMs have that every piece of media they consume, they always ask themselves, how can I make this into a mechanic? How can I adapt this story for my worlds or in the system we are playing? How can I make this awesome story happen in my own story frame, basically? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, when it comes to things like ODM gear, parkour, stuff like that, one thing that I've realized is like games like D&D and games like Pathfinder, where it's like you have a specific kind of action economy that you can use. They're not really built for fluidity. Um, mm. Even Pathfinder, like Pathfinder 2, you can do three attacks at level one, but the, you're still not really built for fluidity in that same way. Um, and I think it's like to make that feel the same way, I think you have to create a game that is driven by narrative, but also gives enough to the players to let even the most non-creative player feel like they can describe their actions in that fluid way. Yeah, which I think is it's it's tricky. But if if you could pull it off, well, yeah, I'm, that's, you know, people will definitely enjoy that. There's one reason why I didn't just say, boom, there's going to be ODM gear. There's going to be <laughs> yeah. this fluid movement yeah. type yeah. of weapon or gear towards fighting these beasts. Because if I now say, well, yeah, you can move 30 feet by in the air that that doesn't feel good that that yeah. would just feel like okay it's clunky and weird yeah and there's some way so um yeah that's why i kept away from this pure okay we have this perfect movement already and was just like okay there's a possibility i have mm -hmm. to think about it a little bit more but i think generally looking at every different piece of media i often think to myself first how can i make this into a one shot because that will then show me how can i how can i do this yeah especially if it's something that I want to do more of. Even if I want to do a campaign, I first think about a one-shot because if it works in the one-shot, I can maybe extend it. Same with trying a new system, right? If I look at a piece of media and think, okay, which system works great for that? I've never played this system before, so run a one-shot in it and see if I like it. See if mm -hmm. it works and just try it out. And, and coming back to this, what we said at the beginning, it's just about trying out and being and, and freeing yourself of any shackles that yeah. come from playing in a campaign or playing for long-term and just have fun with what you're doing. Heck yeah. So I think with that, we have a very cool discussion, a very cool episode recorded. Is there anything else you guys would like to talk about now before we go to Navarro shouting out everything that he does and everything that he's part of and um, just <laughs> talking about how good he is and everything? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's it for me. Yeah. I mean, thank you. You know, thank you guys for having me on. It's This has been a lot of fun. And um, I'm excited that we now have a uh, Titans call reveal. So you're welcome, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> it's going to be trailer soon as well i will say that <laughs> okay so never please then shout everything out what you're doing every social media every every podcast you're part of every show everything <laughs> or people you want to shout out your cat your dog yeah so uh secret nerd podcast you can find it wherever you podcast i am on twitter at secret nrd social um i also am reluctantly on twitter at navar uh n-a-v-a-a-r-s-n-p like secret nerd podcast um i avoided it since its inception and i am here now because i'm doing more stuff than the podcast but yeah if you if you like to uh, see what else I'm doing, the easiest way is just go to my website, supernerdpodcast.com. But I also have a game on itch.io where you can play uh, a detective who's, for one reason or another, not very good at their job. And yeah, you're the last detective anybody would want to call and you have to kind of solve a murder. It was a game I designed for the Caltrop Core gem by our friend, uh, Tainamaki RPG. And uh, I will be making other games. To that end, I just launched a Patreon. So if you'd like to support the show, uh, go there. 
there. Uh, depending on what tier you join, um, you'll be able to get any other micro RPGs I create uh, for free as well as this kind of uh, bonus, but uh, among other things um, also. So it's not just kind of parsed out because I have a lot of responsibilities, so I can't just be making games every week. I think, I mean, that's it. I mean, I've been a guest now on like 10 different podcasts. I probably should catalog them somewhere. But yeah, <laughs> you can find me doing actual plays with uh, Blackness and Dragons as a guest, uh, Everone Podcast, uh, Everone Adventures as a guest. I... I just try to hang out with all the wonderful people I can uh, whenever I can. So thank you again to you guys. This is this has been a lot of fun and and uh, I really enjoyed it. And I appreciate you having me on the show. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for Thanks agreeing to be on the show. <laughs> yeah, of course. It's been a lot of fun, yeah. especially on rather shorter note. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, no worries. No worries at all. Okay, please, Neil, send us off for today. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, and as per usual, you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at WDMPod or you can visit our website, www www.wdm.com yeah and if you like our show please feel free to rate us on the fav on your favorite podcasting platform and with that thanks for listening thanks Navar for being here and yeah, thank you. hear you on the next one bye 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 bye